Section 20 of Religious Studies, Sketches, and Poems. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Religious Studies, Sketches, and Poems by Harriet Beecher Stowe. The Church of the Master. What is the true idea of a Christian church, and what the temper and spirit in which its affairs should be conducted? For this inquiry certainly we are not to go back to New England, or Cotton Mather primarily, nor yet to the earlier Anglican authorities, or the long line of Roman precedent, and the fathers of the church, nor even to the apostolic churches, but to Jesus Christ himself, and to the earliest association that could be called a Christian church there is a difference in this discussion between the church and a church the church is the greatest generic unity or outside organization a church is a society related to the whole as a private family to the state in the time of our lord the generic body the church of god was the jewish church jesus was a regularly initiated member of that church and very careful never to depart from any of its forms or requirements he announced in the Sermon on the Mount that in regard to the Jewish law he was not come to destroy but to fulfill. He said distinctly to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All things therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do ye not after their works, for they say and do not. The apostles never separated formally from the Jewish church. They were so careful in this regard that they on one occasion induced St. Paul, who was reported to be a schismatic, to go in a very marked and public manner into the Jewish temple and conform to the Jewish ritual, and when he addressed a company of Jews on one occasion he commenced with the words, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. He elsewhere speaks of the perfectness of this initiation into all the customs and privileges of the National Church that he was a hebrew of the hebrews the christian church arose inside the jewish church exactly as the methodists arose inside the church of england they were a society professing a subjection and obedience to the national church in all respects where the higher law of god did not require them to go against earthly ordinances thus when the jewish sanhedrin forbade the apostles to preach in the name of jesus they answered whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. In like spirit did John Wesley and his ministers answer the bishops when they tried to shut their mouths from preaching the gospel to the poor of England. But in the meantime it is to be remembered that the Lord Jesus gradually formed around himself as a personal center an organization of disciples, both men and women. This band of disciples may be looked upon as the seed form of the Christian Church, and the order of their union having been administered immediately by the Master must be studied as conveying the best example of the spirit and temper, though not necessarily the exact form in which all churches should be constituted. That this company of believers was regularly organized, and perfectly recognized as an organization, appears from a passage in acts where it is said that after the ascension of our lord this little church came together and abode together for several days the names of many of them are given the eleven apostles the mother of jesus his brethren and several others called in the enumeration the women are mentioned and it is further stated that the number of them was about one hundred and twenty 
st paul indeed speaks of an occasion on which christ after his resurrection appeared to five hundred disciples at once of whom he says the greater part were living when he wrote this hundred and twenty were probably such a portion of the whole company of disciples as had their residence in and about jerusalem and could therefore conveniently assemble together we first see them called together to perform a corporate act in filling a vacancy among their officers the twelve by the appointment of the lord had occupied a peculiar position of leadership the speech of peter is remarkable as showing that he considered the persons he addressed as a body competent to transact business and fill vacancies after relating the death and fate of judas he ends by saying wherefore from these men that have companied with us all the time that the lord jesus went in and out among us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection here then are all the evidences of a regularly trained church already in existence when our lord left the world but if we look at the twentieth chapter of john we shall see that the little company that performed this act had been previously ordained and inspired by jesus and wisdom had been promised to guide their proceedings it is said that immediately after christ's resurrection after he appeared to mary magdalene he suddenly appeared in an assembly of the disciples showed them his hands and his side and said to them peace be unto you breathed on them and said receive ye the holy ghost whosoever sins ye remit they are remitted unto them and whosoever sins ye retain they are retained the disciples spoken of here were the whole company of believers who yet remained faithful not merely the eleven since one of the eleven at least was absent the words of the promise are not to be superstitiously interpreted as they have been as giving an arbitrary irresponsible power to an aristocracy in the church but as expressing this great truth that whenever a body of christians are acting under the influence of the holy spirit under a high and heavenly state of christian feeling their decisions will be in sympathy with god and be ratified in heaven it is only to those who receive the holy ghost that such power pertains having shown then that christ left a trained inspired ordained church of believers to perpetuate his work on earth it now becomes interesting to go back and watch the process by which he trained them the history of the formation and gradual education of this church is interesting because although the visible presence of the master made it differ from any subsequent church yet the spirit and temper in which he guided it are certainly a model for all christ's visible presence relieved them from all responsibility as to discipline he governed personally and settled every question as it rose in this respect no other church can be like it but the invisible christ the christ in the heart of all believers ought to be with every church that it may be carried on in spirit as christ conducted his in the first place then christ carried on this his first church as a family of which he was the father and in which the law was love he said to his disciples all ye are brethren he addressed them habitually as children sometimes as little children and laid on them with emphasis a new commandment that they should love one another as he had loved them the old commandment given by moses was thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself the new commandment of christ was love one another as i have loved you better than self st john interprets it thus hereby we perceive the love of god because he laid down his life for us we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren this church or family of christ was very wide and free in its invitation to any to join and many did join themselves so that at times portions of them traveled with him as a missionary family from place to place 
thus in luke eight we read that it came to pass that he went through every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom and the twelve were with him and certain women whom he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities mary called magdalene and joanna the wife of chusa herod's steward and susanna and many others who also ministered unto him of their substance this cooperation of women in the missionary church would in some countries have given an occasion of offence and scandal but the laws and institutions of moses had prepared a nation in which the moral and religious mission of woman was fully recognized prophetesses and holy women inspired by god had always held an important place in its history and it was in full accord with the national sense of propriety that woman should hold a conspicuous place in the new society of jesus it is remarkable too that the bitterest and most vituperative attacks on the character of jesus which appeared in the early centuries never found cause of scandal in this direction these pious women exercised for the benefit of our lord and his disciples the peculiar gifts of their sex they ministered to them as women best know how one of them was the wife of a man of high rank in herod's court several of them appear to have been possessed of property some of them however were reclaimed women of formerly sinful life but now redeemed the wife of herod's steward and the spotless matron the mother of james and john did not scruple to receive to their fellowship and sisterly love the redeemed mary magdalene out of whom went seven devils the contributions for the support of this mission church became so considerable and the care of providing for its material wants so onerous as to require the services of a steward and one of the twelve who had a peculiar turn for financial cares was appointed to this office judas made all the purchases for the company dispensed its charities and as financier felt at liberty to comment severely on the waste shown by the grateful mary it seems that judas was a type of that class of men who seek the church from worldly motives the treatment of this treacherous friend by jesus is a model that cannot be too earnestly studied by every christian st john says jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him but he carried himself towards him with the same unvarying and tender sweetness that he showed to all the rest he was love itself he could not possibly associate with another without love and there was something peculiarly delicate and forbearing in his treatment of judas as is more fully considered in our next chapter he might easily have exposed him before his brethren but he would not do it it seems from the narrative that even when judas left the little company to complete his crime the simple-hearted disciples knew not where he was going there was no calling him to account no exposure no denunciation no excommunication why this care this peculiar reticence on the master's part it was a part of his system of teaching his family what he meant when he said love your enemies it was a way of teaching that when they come to understand it fully they would never forget moreover during his whole life in all his teachings to this little church his main object was that they should be rooted and grounded in that kind of love which no injury or cruelty or perfidy can change the kind of love which he showed when he prayed for those who were piercing his hands and feet but he found them not apt scholars they were apt and ready in the science of wrath with them the way of anger and what is called righteous indignation went downhill but he always held them back when a village refused to receive the master it was james and john who were ready to propose to call down fire from heaven as elias did 
but he told them they knew not what manner of spirit they were of the mission of the son of man was to save not to kill as a delicate musician shudders to strike a discord so jesus would not excite among his little children the tumult of wrath and indignation that would be sure to arise did they fully know the treachery of judas he so carried himself that the evil element departed from them without a convulsion by the calm expulsive force of moral influences he bore with judas patiently sweetly lovingly to the very last he kept the knowledge of his treachery in his own bosom till of his own free will the traitor departed there is something so above human nature in this it is unworldly sweetness such celestial patience that it is difficult for us at our usual level of life to understand it it is difficult to realize that these expressions of love which jesus continued to judas were not a policy but a simple reality that he loved and pitied the treacherous friend as a mother loves and pities the unworthy son who is whitening her hair and breaking her heart and that the kiss he gave was always sincere it is an example too that may with advantage be studied in conducting the discipline of a church here was the worst of criminals meditating the deepest injuries the worst of crimes in the very bosom of the infant church yet our lord so bore with him so ruled and guided his little family that there was no quarrel and struggle that the very best and most was made of his talents as long as they could be used for good and when he departed the church was not rent and torn as a demoniac by the passage from them of an evil spirit but there were other respects in which jesus trained his church besides that of managing a discordant element within it there were many who would become disciples from sudden impulse or sympathy who had not the moral stamina to go on to spiritual perfection aware of this the master while ever gracious ever ready to receive exacted no binding pledge or oath he displayed no eagerness to get men to commit themselves in this way but rather the reverse whoever came saying lord i will follow thee met a gracious reception yet the seeker was warned that he must take up his cross and that without this he could not be a disciple he was admonished to count the cost lest he should begin to build and not be able to finish in some cases as that of the young nobleman the tests proposed were so severe that the man went away sorrowful and yet for all this the heart of the master was freely open to all who chose to follow him but as jesus would take none without full warning of the stringencies of his exactions so he would retain none a moment beyond the time when their hearts were fully in it free they were to come as god's love is free free also to go if on trial they found the doctrine or discipline too hard for them christ gathered his spiritual army on the principles on which moses commanded that the army of israel should be gathered for battle when proclamation was made that any one who for any reason was not fully in good heart should go home what man is fearful or faint-hearted let him go and return to his house lest his brethren's hearts faint as well as his there is a very striking passage in the sixth chapter of john's gospel where jesus in the most stringent and earnest manner spoke of the necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood or in other words of an appropriating and identifying union of soul with himself as constituting true discipleship this expose of the inner depths of real spiritual life repelled some as it is written many therefore of his disciples said this is a hard saying who can hear it 
when jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured he said doth this offend you but there are some of you that believe not for jesus knew from the beginning who they were who believed not and who should betray him from that time we are told many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him they left the church and we read of no effort to discipline or retain them the spiritual life of the church expelled them by the law of moral repulsion they felt they were not of it and they left and were suffered to leave the only comment we read of as being made by the lord was this then jesus said to the twelve will ye also go away there was the door freely open would they too go then peter said lord to whom should we go thou hast the words of eternal life and we believe and aren't sure that thou art the christ we can see here what was the sifting process by which our lord kept his little church pure it was the union of vivid spirituality with perfect freedom the doors of entrance and of exit were freely open and those who could not bear the intense and glowing spiritual life were at all times free to depart in the words subsequently used by the apostle they judged themselves unworthy of eternal life hence like a vigorous human body christ's little church threw out from itself the unvital members and kept itself healthy and strong this perfect freedom to depart at any time constituted the strength of the little order its members were held together not by a dead covenant not by a conventional necessity not by past vows uttered in high excitement but by a living choice of the soul renewed from moment to moment even the twelve had presented to them the choice to go away and took anew their vow of constancy hence it was that even the astounding horrors of the sudden fall the crucifixion of the master did not break the ranks there were none left but those who so vitally united to him so one with him that as he said they lived by him he was their life they followed him to the cross and to the grave they watched the sepulchre and were ready to meet him in the resurrection morning it was this tried and sifted remnant to whom he appeared when the doors were closed after the resurrection on whom he breathed peace and the holy ghost and whose spiritual judgments and decisions he promised should thereafter be ratified in heaven this little company were as nearly as human beings can be rooted and grounded in perfect love the lessons of their lives had been love taught them by precept from day to day as he harmonized their contentions and repressed their selfish ambitions and by example as he persistently tolerated loved bore with a treacherous friend in his own family it was necessary that they should be prepared to exercise power for power was about to be entrusted to them it was necessary to prepare them to be governors of the future christian church but he was unwearied in efforts to make them understand that superiority must only be a superiority in doing and suffering for others when the mother of james and john asked the two highest offices for her two sons he looked at her with a pathetic sadness did she know what she was asking did she know that to be nearest to him was to suffer most he answered you know not what you ask can you drink of the cup that i shall drink and be baptized with my baptism and when they ignorantly said we are able he said that the place of superiority was not his to give by any personal partiality but was reserved for the appointment of the father but the ambitious spirit now roused had spread to the other disciples it is said that when the ten heard it they were indignant with james and john 
but jesus called them to him and said ye know that they that are accounted to rule over the gentiles exercise lordship over them and their great ones exercise authority upon them but it shall not be so among you but whosoever shall be great among you let him be your minister and whosoever will be the chiefest let him be servant of all for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many one of the very last acts of his life and one of the most affecting comments on these words was his washing his disciples feet as a menial servant a last significant act which might almost be called a sacrament since by it he in view of his dying hour put this last impressive seal on his teaching of humanity and brotherly love the contest which should be the greatest in spite of all his efforts all his teachings all his rebukes had only smoldered not been extinguished and was ready at any moment to flame out again and all the way up to jerusalem when he came to die they walked behind him quarreling over this old point as a dying mother calling her children around her confirms her life teaching by some last act of love never to be forgotten so this master and friend before the last supper knelt in humility at the feet of each disciple and washed and wiped them and then interpreted the sign as an act of the spirit in which leadership in his church should be sought if i your lord and master have washed your feet ye ought also to wash one another's feet in after years the disciples could not but remember that jesus knelt at the feet of judas and washed them as meekly as those of all the rest and then they saw what he meant when he said love your enemies from first to last the teaching of christ was one long teaching of the doctrine and discipline of perfect love when the multitudes followed him and he went into a mountain to give his summary of the new dispensation we hear of no high mystical doctrines we hear doctrines against censoriousness against the habit of judging others we hear men cautioned to look on their own faults not on those of others we hear love like the perfect love of god set up as the great doctrine of the new kingdom love which no injury no unworthiness no selfishness can chill or alter or turn aside which like god's providence shines on the evil and unthankful and sends rain on the just and the unjust this mystery of love deeper than the mystery of the trinity was what from first to last the master sought to make his little church comprehend this love to enemies this forgiveness was the hardest of hard doctrines to them lord how often shall my brother transgress and i forgive him says peter till seven times nay answers jesus till seventy times seven if thy brother trespass against thee seven times a day and seven times turn again saying i repent thou shalt forgive him the master taught that no religious ordinance no outward service was so important as to maintain love unbroken if a gift were brought to the altar and there it were discovered that a brother were grieved or offended the gift was to be left unoffered till a reconciliation was sought it is not merely with the brother who has given us cause of offence but the brother who however unreasonably deems himself hurt by us that we are commanded to seek reconciliation before we can approach a heavenly father a band of men and women thus trained in the school of jesus careful to look on their own faults refraining from judging those of others unselfish and lowly seeking only to do and to serve 
so perfected in a divine love that the most bitter and cruel personal injuries could not move to bitterness or revenge such a church is in a fit state to administer discipline it has the holy spirit of jesus with it and it may be said without superstitious credulity of a church in that spirit that its decisions will be so in accordance with the will of god that whosoever sins they remit are remitted and whosoever sins they retain are retained but where have we such a church the church of the master was one of those beautiful ideals fair as the frost crystals or the dew drops of morning it required a present jesus to hold it and then with what constant watchfulness and care and admonition on his part was it kept we can only study at his marvelous training and gather some humble inspiration it was this church of jesus the master this tried sifted suffering body of faithful men and women whose prayers brought down the holy spirit on the day of pentecost and inaugurated the apostolic church end of section twenty